research that resonates. Schweitzer has not been wrong on any of his years and years of reporting on the Bidens. Investigations that matter. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. But that's, you know, I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that, uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. The only entities, the only people that would report on this, and Peter Schweitzer, who deserves a Medal of Freedom, in my view, this is The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. Hello and welcome to The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer, where we relentlessly expose cronyism and corruption in Washington, D.C. and in the federal government. You may have noticed I am not Peter Schweitzer. Uh, he is out doing the work of exposing cronyism and corruption just offsite today. So instead, I am Eric Eggers, the normal co-host, and I'm joined by frequent contributor, one of the more popular contributors, I think, in Drill Down annals, Seamus Bruner. He joins us here at the Government Accountability Institute and author of his own right. He's the author of the book Control Garks, which we actually spoke about last week. And one of the things we talked about, because on the heels of the Davos Forum, Seamus, was immigration. Immigration was a topic that they covered in Davos. It's that immigration is the topic that you cover in your book Control Garks. And as it turns out, immigration's a topic that's sort of relevant to the national conversation today. Yeah, that's right, Eric. It's great to be here filling in uh in Schweitzer's seat. And yeah, crises, crises everywhere. That's what the World Economic Forum uh, profits from, leverages for their benefit. And it just so happens we've got a major crisis here in America, uh, thanks to Joe Biden. Thanks to Joe Biden. Thanks to a lot of different factors. And we're excited to be joined by somebody who can, I think, help us unpack just how big of a crisis we're experiencing at America's southern border today. We're joined by Mark Morgan. He's the former commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. He's also an, a former assistant director of the FBI. Uh, and that's really relevant because I think the crisis, as we're discovering at the southern border, is morphing. We know that it costs us a lot of money. We know that it actively erodes aspects of American culture. But a recent letter signed by, among others, Mr. Morgan himself and other former FBI officials suggest that the crisis at the southern border is not just a cultural or a financial crisis, it's a potential threat to national security because of the concerns of the people that are crossing this border. So we're excited to have Mark Morgan join us today. Uh, Mark, thank you for joining us. Tell us what prompted this letter and, and what informs people that are in the intelligence community, such as yourself, that we have a potential national security threat as a result of it. Well, hey, look, th this is very important. And uh, after we get in and talk about the national security threat, I also want to talk about the, the, the safety threat as well. That's why we say that it's what's happening on our border, the chaos and lawlessness, is impacting, negatively impacting, jeopardizing every aspect of our nation's safety and national security. But let's just focus on national security in that letter. First of all, um, I'm not even the one that, <clears throat> that, that it was really had the idea to write the letter. And I think that's important. Because this is uh, uh, that came to you know, fruition through a, a couple of other senior top former executives in the FBI um, that have a tremendous background in law enforcement, national security. They're seeing what's unfolding here, and they decided to, to, to write this letter. And then I got brought into it uh, from another colleague that's on the letter. There's about ten of us that signed it. Again, top senior level executives. Uh, combined, we probably had over 200 to 225 years of law enforcement and national security experience. And the purpose and goal behind the letter was to shed light on the, the real national security risk to our country because of the chaos and lawlessness at our border. And they brought to, a couple, <clears throat> to light a couple of things. One is of the 8.9 million total nationwide encounters in the last 36 months. Let that sink in. 8.9 million total nationwide encounters in 36 months under this administration. 
about 65% of those are single adult males. That's, that's about 5.9 million and single adults. The majority of those are single adult males of military age. They come from 180 different countries from all over the world. To put that perspective, there's only 195 recognized countries on the planet. And it also brought to light the past 36 months, Border Patrol has apprehended over 330 illegal aliens on the FBI's terror watch list. They've also apprehended tens of thousands of what we call special interest aliens. And those are aliens that come from countries that we know sponsor, harbor, and facilitate uh, uh, terrorist organizations. And then it also talks about something that's very important that we don't talk about enough. If that, if those stats aren't uh, bad enough, Eric, is that uh, they, they also talk about in the past 36 months, 1.8 million known gotaways. So the question at the end isn't if or when the national security threat comes to our country. The issue is it's already here. Yeah, you referenced the Hamas attacks in the letter as evidence of the yeah. fact that you may not know what's going to happen until it's too late. Say that stat again one more time about people that were on the terrorist watch list that have been uh, captured at the southern border. How many yeah. do we have? Yeah, so so in just 36 months, it, those illegally entering, not even those coming to port of entry because that's another thousand, but those actually trying to illegally enter and, enter and sneak by Border Patrol, it's 336 and, and 36 months. To put that in perspective... Uh, I, I mean, that I think that 336 number uh, number in just 36 months is more than we've ever caught illegally entering in between the bo- ports of entry since we've been keeping stats. And I know I Seamus mean, it's has- shocking. It's alarming. And look, we 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 shouldn't underestimate, though, or undersell the, the SIAs. Again, those that are coming from countries that we know sponsor, harbor and facilitate terrorism. That number is in the tens of thousands. And let me give you an example of why this is so devastating. Let's say you take a, a single adult male from Lebanon of military age, and he, he, we, we catch him illegally entering the border. Well, of course, the first thing we're going to ask him is, hey, we just before we release you into the country, we just want to make sure that you're you know not a member of Hezbollah. Yeah, so we're really going to think he's going to give us an honest answer. But that's okay, because I'm sure because of our strong diplomatic relationships with the Lebanese government, government that we're going to be able to ask them if this individual is a member of Hezbollah. Of course, I'm being facetious. That doesn't happen. But yet, that is happening every single day. Even those that we apprehend, we don't have the ability to actually vet. Uh, who uh, that, uh, even the ones we're encountering before we're released in the United States. And that's another big area that I get so frustrated. This this country, this administration is lying to the American people. Secretary Mayorkas is lying. Every single time that he says that we properly vet people before we release them, it's a lie. It's impossible. It's not happening. Well, the volume's too great. And I could just see the conversation happening. Hey, do you want to sign up for food stamps? Thanks to the Biden administration's reversal of the Trump policy about we're not going to give public assistance to illegal immigrants. Do you want food stamps or are you a member of Hezbollah? Because if you are, then you don't get it. And so I'm sure, we, I'm sure we'll elicit an honest answer. I, I know Seamus has questions for you. I just, I'm reminded of the movie uh, Traffic that came out, I think, you know, some 20 years ago. And there's this scene where Michael Douglas, who plays uh, you know, the guy in charge of Homeland Security and the, the narcotics, and he's talking to a Border Patrol agent, and they go, yeah, we captured a record amount. And he goes, well, that's good. He goes, yeah, but we're capturing a small percentage of the actual volume of people entering this country. And I think that that unfortunately is reality because so you're, if we're capturing 336 people that were on the terrorist watch list, and that's up from what it's ever been, then I think by logic, that means that a record number of people who are on the terrorist watch list have also entered the country and successfully made entry illegally. So yeah, Eric, quite- that's exactly right. Look, and again, the past 36 months, 1.8 million known gotaways. 
Now, the former chief of the United States Border Patrol under oath said that that's underreported by 20%. Look, I was the former chief as well as the commissioner. I think that's even low. So we're well in excess of a couple of million of gotaways just in the past 36 months. That's why I keep saying, uh, let's let's keep in mind, it only took a handful of terrorists to carry out the largest terrorist attack in our nation's history on 9-11. Uh, so so it's it's not hyperbole when those of us, including those 10 that signed that letter, uh, say that it's very likely and probable that there could be a terror sleeper cell already in the United States planning the next terrorist attack. That's reality. That's not hyperbole. Yeah, Mark, these these numbers are are shocking. It's staggering. It's outrageous. Um I, I read that letter. I applaud you and your colleagues for, for signing that. Uh, I think I saw the word invasion. Would you would you characterize this as an invasion? Absolutely. In fact, look, I love this question. So I remember in in October of 2020, and why do I remember that date was because I was at the border. I was still the commissioner of Customs and Border Protection. And while we were physically on the border, we had a, a press conference that was down there. And I uh, I was asked the question because of, of the rhetoric that was coming out of then candidate Biden. And of course, I had to be careful because of the Hatch Act. And they asked me about what he'd been saying and, and if he does what he said he was going to do, what would happen? And I distinctly remember, and again, this is October of 2020 before the elections. I said, if any candidate does what pre- candidate uh, Biden says he's going to do, if he becomes president, he will cause a, a level of chaos and lawlessness that we've never seen before. I said it, he will absolutely create an invasion. I said that. October of 2020. Of course, everybody kind of reels from that. And now fast forward, and that's exactly what we have right now. But I think it's important when we talk about the invasion. It's not just an invasion of people. It is that. It is an invasion. 8.9 million known encounters plus 1.8 million known gotaways in 36 months. That's an invasion of people. But let's be honest as well. It's also an invasion of drugs It's an invasion of criminals, and it's an invasion of potential national security threats. And who's the enemy? The enemy is our our cartels. We have a common enemy. That's who we should be targeting. That's who we should be talking about, both on the right and the left side, of who we need to go after and who we need to defeat to stop the, the, the vast amount of threats coming across our border. Is the money too big to make it happen? I mean, I think that's always the assumption because if it is the cartels and the car, there's so much money. And this is, you know, two decades ago, the money was in the cocaine smuggling trafficking. And now you've got the fentanyl problem. And so fentanyl, I think, is that at an entirely different magnitude. I mean, how big of a factor is that in real life? And how does that money impact the ability to come up with a solution like do you have have you experienced as in the in working in the fbi or in border patrol hey here's a really common sense solution but you've got legitimate american business interests who profit off of this and they actively work against the solution yeah so that's all great questions and and that also goes into the the other question about hey should we you know label the 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 cartels a terrorist organization look i believe there's pros and cons uh, to to that what I always say is, look, I don't care what you call them, but we need to go after the cartels with the same level of commitment, strategy, and resources uh, uh, that we do terrorist organizations. Uh, the, the, the traditional criminal prosecutorial method that DOJ, the FBI, has been using for three, four decades, it's failed 
for three or four decades. I've been there. I spent 20 years in the FBI. And I'm telling you, it's been a colossal failure how the United States government has gone after the cartels. We've seen we've used the same method that we used to go after the, you know, the, the, the mob, you know, back in the back in the 70s and 80s. Um, that doesn't work going after the cartels. The only thing that's happened in the past three or four decades is the cartels have become stronger, more powerful, and more influential, and their bank accounts have grown, and their ability to push uh, drugs across the border have increased, and their criminal enterprise has grown globally. So clearly that should tell our government that our strategy has been a colossal failure. And I, I refer to the, the, the Bill Barr approach, the, the plan Columbia style, where we go in, the best case scenario is we would go together with Mexico and we would use the military. We would use precision, uh, a surgical kinetic military operations to go at the heart of the cartels. The reality is we know where the cartels are. We know who the cartels uh, are. We know where they operate. We know where the ports of entry are, where they're getting the fentanyl from uh, the precursor chemicals from China. We know all of that. We have that intelligence. So if we did, if we actually changed our strategy and took the fight to the cartels, we could defeat them. Here's the problem going to be. The problem is going to be in Mexico. That's where a lot of the money is going. That's where a lot of the corruption goes. Um, But I think we can't overcome that. So why don't we? I mean, if the money goes to Mexico and it's a drain on our resources, a drain on our public uh, assistance, I mean, the the money, then Seamus referenced the the stats that you write in your letter, those are staggering. But the the research we've done to prepare for this, illegal immigration and immigration generally costs us $450 billion in terms of the drain on taxpayer resources. And that's not counting the money that gets sent that's made uh, legally and sent back to other countries in remittances. Mexico is getting something like $50 billion dollars in remittances each year. And then you have tech companies in the United States that make money off of helping process that. So there's a lot of financial incentives off of the status quo that people benefit from here. But if the solution is simply go after the cartels, how come it doesn't happen? Well, so look, there's a there's a lot to unpack there, a lot of good points. Let, let's talk on our side. You're absolutely right. The Chamber of Commerce, for example, a lot of Republicans, right? They'll 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 have one hand out with you know making a stop sign saying stop coming illegal immigrants. With the other hand, they're waving them in, right? Because they want the cheap labor. Uh, so so there there's there's plenty of blame to go around. Right now, I say, hey, look, the Democrats caused the problem, but right now the Republicans are refusing to fix it. Um, so there, of course, we we know the corruption on the Mexico side. Right now, I, I think the issue is the reason why more is not being done is because there's two perceived political benefits right now that the Democratic Party see. Remember, on day one, President Biden, what's one of the first things he did among his 94 executive orders to destroy our borders is, is he stopped what had uh, been enacted under President Trump. And once again, illegal aliens are counted as part of the census. So there's a real redistricting that's going to happen in the favor of the Democratic Party. The second perceived political benefit is they believe every single illegal alien uh, that they find a pathway to citizenship is going to equate to a Democratic vote. Now, look, I don't, I, 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 I'm not on board on the replacement theory. That, 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 that's, that's too far to stretch for me. But, but those two things that I uh, uh, talked about, this is about power and votes for the Democratic Party. There's no other justification. There's no other rationale of why they would literally open our borders up unless they thought it was going to equate to a permanent power for them. Yeah, I mean, I agree with you on the uh, the replacement thing. But the funny thing is, uh, California is losing millions of residents, so they actually do need to replace those residents, or else they'll lose Congress members uh, due to apportionment. And yeah, that your, your yeah, point so about that, the census. That's a good point. That's good re- replacement for the votes. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think that's well said. I think that's exactly right. 
but but I got to tell you, look, we th- th- this is what I call the three-legged stool right now, right? So we have to physically secure the border. We have to increase our interior enforcement to remove people here unlawfully because if look, we're, we're never going to prevent everyone from getting through. And so if they still think if somehow they get through, they're going to be able to stay, uh, our physical security isn't going to work. You need both. And the last leg of that three-legged stool is we have to defeat the cartels. Yeah. And another thing on the on the money, speaking of money, I mean, we're not just paying we American taxpayers are not just paying for, you know, the medical care, food stamps, housing, education, cash cards, transportation into the the homeland. Um, We're also funding and I just like learned this the other day, an enormous amount to these NGOs who are facilitating the process. I mean, you know, five point two billion dollars to NGOs since 2003 for facilitating the uh, the migrants uh, moving, and I guess they're operating both here in the U.S. Once the once the migrants get here, moving them from Texas to other states, but I guess they're also operating in, uh, in other countries uh, along this route, the way up from all the way down from South America up through Mexico and into the U.S. We'll use the one stat that I think you dug up. So Catholic Charities of Fort Worth has seven hundred and fifty five million dollars since twenty seventeen. I mean, that's just an example of an NGO. That's getting money to help facilitate the processing of immigrants in this country. Yeah, and they're getting very well paid. You know, the the, the executives at these at these NGOs, and they're getting yeah. huge amounts of taxpayer assistance to facilitate this. Now, I guess they think they're uh, they're being chari- charitable. I, and I'm also kind of wondering wh- where does the NGO work start or the cartel work end? I mean, if they're working in uh, in other countries, I mean, I know you know we don't have evidence the NGOs are working with the cartels, but where does the handoff occur? I guess maybe at the border. Do you see them a lot in your in working at the board like that? Oh yeah, absolutely. So look, I, I'll come on and talk to you guys anytime. You're 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 well informed. The NGOs is one of the biggest uh, areas where I, I get the most frustrated, and that the most American people uh, again. This is another significant area where they're being lied to. This is also where I say our nation's compassion has been hijacked. Right. And, and, and I, I call what the Biden administration is doing with the NGOs a Ponzi scheme because Secretary Marcus, again, just one of many reasons he should have been impeached, um, is that he, he blatantly lies to American people. He's asked, oh, no, no, we, we don't we don't fly illegal aliens uh, uh, throughout the United <laughs> States. It's a complete BS lie. Because well, the border is secure. Is, <laughs> the border is totally secure, per Mr. Moore, Mayor. Yeah, exa- so, exactly. Yeah. But, but what DHS does do under the uh, under the authority of Secretary Mayorkas is he funnels, as you said, billions of U.S. taxpayer dollars to NGOs for NGOs then to facilitate their transportation of illegal aliens throughout the United States. This is how it works real quick. So uh, um, uh, somebody illegal enters the United States, which, by the way, in between the ports of entry is a violation of law, punishable up to a year in prison and a thousand dollar fine. But there's zero consequences. In this administration, you can violate the law, illegally enter our United States, and there are zero consequences. In fact, there's a series of rewards. So the Border Patrol physically drops them off in the border somewhere in the border town. They, they go to an NGO who's subsidized and funded by taxpayer dollars, as you just said, billions of dollars, who then they give them all the care and feeding they want. And then they ask the migrant, where would you like to go? The migrant, the illegal alien tells them where they want to go anywhere in the United States. They give them a free plane ticket and they go there. That's what happens. And it's literally being paid for by U.S. taxpayers. And this is what I say. What's happening now, the federal government and these NGOs, they're actually completing the last leg of the, the cartel's smuggling route. Right. So the cartel. Now, true. all they have to do it's is true. get the illegal alien 
to the border. That's all you have to do under this administration. Get them to the border and the United States, we take care of the rest. It's incredible. I mean, this, I mean, this feels like Rico. Um, you know, there's just so many p- moving parts and players facilitating. I mean, whether it's a, an invasion or just millions and millions of people committing crimes every single day. Uh, but, but if you think about it, to, to Mr. Morgan's point, that's actually correct. Like the Mexican cartels and the Chinese drug manufacturers and yep. American nonprofits are essentially business partners in helping to facilitate the invasion of illegal immigrants into the United States. Like that, and, and killing well, Americans. I mean, the fentanyl is killing, what is it, close to 100,000 Americans a year, 70,000, 100,000? Yeah. I mean, that is, uh, what, Vietnam every year. Yeah. In a 12-month period, and that's, that's important, 12 months, 112,000 Americans died from drugs and fentanyl poisoning. That's more Americans that died from all the homeland terrorist attacks, the Afghanistan, Iraq, and Vietnam wars combined. And a couple of those were 20-year wars. And that's in a 12-month period. And this is why I get so fired up, because this is why illegal immigration is so important. But unfortunately, a lot of people, and even the, uh, the letter of the FBI that, that we signed, it really focused on single adult males. And I got it. That's important on the national security front. But w- this is what I always do. I ask people, I say, hey, so so you think it's important. We, we should stop drugs from coming across. Yeah. We should stop criminals, murders, rapists. Yes. We should stop national security threats. Yes. But when I say, what about that family of three and that single mother with two kids? Well, even conservatives, they start getting squishy, right? And that's why I say our compassion has been hijacked. Somehow that, that if you're a family or if you're a certain demographic, we, we, we somehow, uh, the end justifies the means, that, that somehow it's okay to break the law if you're a single mother of two. Um, and here's why that is absurd and why we have to change the narrative, because it doesn't matter what the demographic is. When you have 300,000 illegal aliens, regardless if your family, single adult or unaccompanied minor, coming to our border, this is the cascading impact that it has, is that it pulls very limited border security resources off the front line. They're put back into facilities. They're relegated to being nothing more than a federal travel agency, relegated to administrative duties to process and release those that have illegally entered. The result of that is our border goes unmanned and unpatrolled. Of the nine sectors along the southwest border, there have been times the last three years where 85 to 90 percent of border patrol resources aren't on the front line. They're away from their law enforcement and national security mission being a federal travel agency. That literally leaves the border wide open. The cartels gain operational control, and that's when they push drugs, criminals, and national security threats. So illegal immigration, regardless of its form, regardless of its demographics, is absolutely has a negative cascading effect in our ability to secure and defend and protect our borders. He is Mark Morgan. He's the former commissioner of Customs and Border Protection and the former assistant director of the FBI. Mark, I got to tell you, you're very well informed. You're also kind of a bummer, bro. You know what I mean? Like, it's just a lot of bad news. It's like a lot of like America's like, you know, we got a fentanyl problem. We got an immigration problem. America's national security is actively being undermined. Uh, are you not in some ways, last question from us, are you not in some ways, um, are, your, are your hopes not improved by the idea that Joe Biden, Joe Biden has said he will shut down the border if given the authority to do so by Congress. Yeah, look, I, I, I had so many emotions. At first, I, I was just, I was pissed off. I was, I was angry, uh, I, and then I, just, I was shaking my head. It, everything that comes out of Secretary Mayorkas and President Biden's mouth on the border is just a lie. And look, I, with Biden, 
honestly, because and, and I listen to that over and over again, and I'm not sure whether he even knows what he's talking about, just the way he says it. So he could be lying or he could be just totally ignorant, but but it's of no moment because the end result is the same. Look, here's the lie. He has the authority. Within the first couple of months of, uh, of him taking over as president, he signed 94 executive orders that obliterated our border, obliterated the network of tools and authorities we had in place, all at the end of his pen. He stopped the asylum cooperative agreements we had with all three Northern Triangle countries. He ended the Remain in Mexico program. He ended Title 42. He uh, reinstated catch and release. He's restricted ICE from them doing their statutory mandated job to remove illegal aliens. I could go on and on. That all came from the tip of his pen. He could use that same pen to actually reinstate all those policies that he dismantled without Congress taking any action. So it's a complete lie when he's saying he's been begging for authority from Congress. Yeah, Mark, I mean, it's outrageous. I got one more quick question for you. I mean, we we know, thanks to the great one, Mark Levin, that uh, the Democrat Party hates America. But what about Republicans? What is your message to them in Congress? What do they need to do? Uh, and... Uh, any solutions you might have to 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 fix this? Uh, you know, I know you've got an organization. Uh, yep. Yeah, Border 911. Tell us about your organization and, and how it may factor into the solution. Yeah, so Border 911 is really the the, the, the thought process of uh, another great patriot, Tom Holm, the former ICE director. And he brought in a team of, of border security experts, created this this new entity. And it really is going to be a grassroots effort to continue to get the educated American people awareness about the chaos and lawlessness of the border and why it's important that we secure it. Um, so I'm very proud to be part of the organization. But back to the question, you know, you know, the Republicans, look, this is what I keep saying. And I've been saying, I'm going to continue to say it is. So the Democrats, the Biden administration, they created this crisis. It's up to the Republicans to fix the crisis. But so far, I, I haven't seen the Republicans do what they need to do. But look, this has been the challenge for decade after decade. Remember, under the Trump administration, the Republicans had the White House, the House, and the Senate for the first two years, and they failed to pass a single piece of meaningful border security legislation. So the Republicans, they have a lot of this fault on their hands as well. But but here's what I'll say. Here's what gave me some hope. Seven months ago, the House passed H.R. 2 the strongest piece of border security legislation that's ever been passed. And the the irony to that is I didn't think it went far enough, but regardless, it's the strongest that's ever been passed. It went over to the the, the Senate, and of course the Democrats killed it. And And now what do we have? We have the Republicans now that are talking about they're negotiating a, quote, border security package, but yet they started off in the position of that, well, it's not going to be H.R. 2 because the Democrats don't want that. I mean, it's absurd. I mean, why are we actively negotiating to water down H.R. 2 that every single conservative at Capitol Hill said is the path forward, is will, in fact, enact the changes to the policies we need to actually secure the border? Uh, and right now, they've been doing this in secrecy. And what's being reported in the media, if it's true, if that's what we see in the language, what's coming out of the Senate, it's a joke. It's not going to change anything. So the Republicans, they are to blame as well if they don't get their act together and force this administration to do what they need to do and change the policy. Yeah, not the only issue that Senate Republicans don't seem to be quite as strong or on the right side of the issues as members of the House. But unfortunately, that is the reality of the American yeah. political climate today. Uh, Mark, you're awesome. Thank you so much for joining us. I think the people that are listening and watching to this podcast have learned a lot. I know I've learned a lot. And uh, we appreciate people like you that have committed their professional lives to serving the country in ways to try to actively protect this country 
and the, as we've learned today, is protection starts at the border with everything that's going So thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, he's Mark Morgan. That's Seamus Bruner. I'm Eric Eggers. This has been The Drill Down with Peter Schweitzer. If you liked hearing this podcast, you can check out more information about this topic and others at thedrilldown.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Thanks a lot. <laughs>